Nehemiah, the fifth chapter. I am praying for you. Hallelujah. I appreciate appreciate your faithfulness. Some of you have been serving God for for a pretty long time. Some of you have been, but we're all on a we're just all on a journey. Amen. We're all in a we're all in a process. And I might not just be exactly where you are in your battles and in your stage of growth. Amen. But we're here to just keep our eyes focused on the prize and hopefully just head that way a little bit more. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Appreciate you praying for me. Let me say pray. Keep on praying for direction, for anointing. And uh, we are we are just like everybody else here fighting battles. And uh, hallelujah, a lot of ways the enemy tries to not only hinder, but also divide and conquer. So I appreciate those that said, devil, you don't stand a chance. We're going to stand together. We're going to pray and we're going to work together and see what God is going to do in this last day. Amen. Help us pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your presence here, for what we've already felt, what we've already heard. God, we are so just blessed by what you have given us, God. And I pray right now that, Lord, your anointing would work and and talk to each one of us, deal with our hearts, God. Speak clearly and affect us, Lord. Work in us that we would leave this house better and inspired, Lord, to do more for you. We love you. We ask it in your great name, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everybody said amen. Jeremiah 5, verse 30, says a wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. Now, before we go any farther, I want you to know wonderful doesn't, it's, it's just not like a bipolar statement. How do you like it? Wonderful and horrible, you know. It, the word wonderful, a lot of times in the Bible, is kind of when you start scratching your head and say, ah, it kind of makes me wonder. <laughs> What are people thinking? How many times a day do you feel that way? <laughs> you look out, so, so maybe kind of look out your window and look at this world and, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> kind of makes you wonder. All right, let's preach. Wonderful and horrible thing is committed in land. The prophets prophesy falsely. That's what God's saying through the man of God. There's a lot of prophecy. There's not a, not a, Lack of prophets are prophesying, but it says they're prophesying falsely. And the priests bear rule by their own means, through their will, through their strength. Through and But here's the, the, the thing that makes you wonder. You think when prophets are prophesying falsely and, and church leadership, the priests, are, are, are it's not an anointing, but it's them. And it's obviously not God. You'd think uh, there'd be an uproar. But the God says, my people love to have it so. And what will you do in the end thereof? God bless you. You can be seated. Kind of in a series, a theme, if you will. And, and uh, but as we look at this word and we see what God is saying, I, I find myself, as I said earlier, wondering so often that so many that would name the name of Christ, would call Him their Lord and and their Savior, but are so far from the truth of God's Word. I believe from my experience of just reaching for people, preaching to people, answering questions, and having Bible studies, and discussions with people, I feel like it's very easy for me to come to a conclusion that most people in the land today generally believe what they want to believe. They believe about God and heaven and their soul, generally what they choose because what they're comfortable with or what pleases them. I've Talk to many over the years, I'm sure, that, that uh, you, you start talking about spiritual things, talking about life and death and, and uh, what happens after we die. I've, I've met folks say, you know, I believe in reincarnation. 
I, I, you know, the Bible says we're appointed and uh, appointed to die once in this life, yeah. and after that, the judgment. But I, I believe I believe in reincarnation, and I, I'm not just saying this is everybody, but I feel like the vast majority of people that I have had the experience of talking to, why do you believe that? And if you listen to them for a while, it's not because they've done any research. <laughs> it's not because they've talked to somebody that has convinced them through a through some scripture that this is solid and and sound, and, and I just like it. I like the idea that I don't have to worry so much about judgment when I die, so I get another chance. That sounds good to me, and I choose it because it's good. Almost like a child saying, hey, do you want me to, you want steak and potatoes, or do you want a lollipop? <laughs> I, I like it. I like it. It, it. it suits me. I feel like there's a lot of atheists that are the same way. Do you want to have a reasonable conversation about God and this creation that we're living in? Do you want to talk about your soul? Do you want to talk about the, the obvious drawing to something to worship that you see even in atheistic communities that they're drawn to lift up their hands and chant the name of a leader? Well, almost like we do to Jesus, that there's something that draws people to worship. Do you want to talk about that? No. No, it's just what I choose to believe. Why? And you find out, well... This whole idea of being accountable to a creator and someday having to answer for my life, I'd rather not believe that. Amen. I'd rather not believe. And, and then you get into people that say, well, no, again, you know, I believe in the Bible. I believe in the Bible. Oh, yeah. Well, we told you what Jesus said. Well, search the scriptures. You know, you say it's more to say than saying I believe it. What's it really say? I found a lot of people that I've talked to that I believe that Bible and I, I want a preacher that, that preaches the Bible and say, well, uh, why'd you preach that Sunday morning? I don't like that. Well, I read it to you from the Bible. <laughs> yeah, but I, I never heard it that way. You said you love the Bible. I didn't wait. Well, I don't believe it that way. It's in the Bible. No, <laughs> I'm not comfortable with that. Oh, so you don't believe you want a Bible preacher. You want a preacher that soothes you, speaks smooth words, uplifts you, and leads you like a blind guide into the ditch. That's what the Bible talks about. Amen. I've heard it many, many times. I've heard it so much more. I've, all my life, I've heard, folks, I think I might have mentioned this recently, you know, a lot of churches, I would say a majority of folks, they're not preaching repentance. We had a, a movement throughout this nation years ago filling up tents and, and uh, filling up crusades. And, and, hey, who wants to be a Christian? Make a decision, is what they would say. Raise your hand. Hey, there's one right there. Woo, how many people got saved today? Where's repentance? Where's a sorrow for sin? Well, where do you get that? Like one preacher asked me, where do you get all that? The Bible. I don't know. <laughs> Word of God. <laughs> Repentance. Well, I think Jesus preached that. I think after he ascended into heaven, poured out his Holy Ghost, that the apostles preached that. So that's what I want to preach. Why would somebody reject repentance? Well, see, somebody told me that doesn't take all that, that I just believe. And anything else beside that is works. You believe because you want to believe it. You believe because you love your sin. And you'd rather walk in sin and say, I believe God. And that's, that's grace. That's what grace says. Bible says people turn the grace of God into something filthy. I was hope I'm, I'm, I'm getting stuck here and I really want to keep moving, but there's a lot of folks, you know, I could go on and on with some things I've heard. I've heard really, really popular, uh, preachers that have, you know, teach in seminaries and have churches of thousands and get on the radio and have call in. People love it because because you know what? I don't know if I can. I don't know. I don't know if I really want to pay my tithes and give offerings like we did earlier and preach. Oh, we don't believe that. Hey, that's what I believe. <laughs> you don't believe in repentance. You don't believe in living for God. You don't believe in holiness. That's what I believe. Why? Give me a Bible study on why that's not important. Um, 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 well, why do people reject the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I'm not talking about just 
questioning it. I'm not talking about uh, learning more about it. Why do people outright reject it? And even some go as far as to say, that's of the devil. (laughs) Everybody can't be right. You know, people have this idea, we're all going the same place. We all, you can't believe one is the very gift of God unto salvation and, and, and somebody else say, yeah, you know, we're on the same tra- track, but, you know, that's, that's demonic. <laughs> right, right. Somebody's got to be wrong. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. But there's so many. To really humble yourself and to give God full control enough that yeah. empty yourself of your will enough that God's will can come in yeah, right. through the baptism. To really humble yourself. To the point where God fills you and you say, enough is enough, God. You're going to be Lord. There's a lot of people that want Jesus to be their their buddy. They want that him to make sure I don't have to have consequences for my actions and go to hell, but they don't want to give up the actions. So to humble yourself enough to that God would really fill you to say no it doesn't matter God I'm gonna I'm gonna weep and cry out to you and, and and let you believe you to fill me with the Holy Ghost and something that is the most amazing experience that you'll ever ever experience in your life and I don't believe in it why why well I heard a verse out of context isn't it cease there's a lot more to that verse there's a lot more to that praise God. Help us, God. I think people have a lot of misconceptions. We went to the scripture about how Paul, through the power of God, of course, was telling Timothy that I'm going to come on by and I'm going to let you know how you ought to behave yourselves in the house of the Lord. A lot of folks, well, why why be so strict? Why be so strict? Why can't it just, we just kind of let back and, and, and not be so, so worried about all that? You know, Jesus walked into church one day, and when he was done driving out those that didn't have a clue, they remembered a scripture. They said, they remembered from the book of Psalms that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Now, I've got some things I'm excited about that I want to preach in this series, and but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to get tired of telling you that there's a right way to worship God. There's a right way to be a child of God. There's a right way to, to, to live for God. There's a right way to have victory in your life. Amen. Amen. And there's a lot of wrong ways. The Bible says, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. When you love God, when you worship him, you, you, you love his truth. Amen. And nothing's going to cause you to stumble or, or be ensnared. You're just going to keep on loving God and serving God because you love his law. Amen. Amen. And, and uh, there's no shortage of, of just things that you see uh, uh, that uh, make me just know that God's way is so much better than anything we can cook up. I'm so careful. We are kind of low on production value around here. We're low on uh, just uh, trying to make ourselves look good and just want to magnify God. Want to get as close to Him as possible. Amen. Not so concerned about trying to impress, but just want you to know, fall in love with Jesus. Amen. Acts, the first chapter, verse 8. We, uh, we're talking about acting like the church. And we will continue to just maybe review a little bit or talk a little bit uh, or maybe a little more than a little bit just about what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. What it means to be born again. What the Bible teaches about godly living. Amen. What, what, and Sadly, I don't feel the opposition, if I would say, in the spirit so much of uh, of those that that don't have a clue that 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 don't uh, don't really know God or never really darken the door of a church. But but really, what we're up against, uh, like they have been from the very beginning, is those in that 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 hold their tradition so 
close to them that they would rather disobey God than give up their traditions that make them feel cozy and warm in their spiritual uh, state. Acts, the first chapter, verse 8, tells Jesus is appearing one more time physically after his resurrection to the uh, to a group here of disciples and and he tells them that he is uh, he's done the work but he is going to uh, ascend and into heaven and he is telling them to go into Jerusalem and wait. I uh, kind of maybe jokingly a little bit tell people he's just said listen you're going to do some you're going to do these greater works I was telling you about but you're going to need the power to accomplish it. And I've got a time frame. This is going to happen in my timing, not yours. And it's not going to happen today. But you go and you wait for that promise and stay out of trouble till it comes. <laughs> and uh, it says, ye shall receive power. Somebody say power. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, that's their hometown, that's right where they're from. But it's not going to just stay there. It's going to be in Judea, the surrounding area, Samaria. We're going out of our comfort zone for sure when we start talking to Samaritans. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. I'm going to give you power. I will never apologize for spending Good time in the word of God teaching to you how the church is to be the church in worship and in the preaching of the word of God in praise and testimony and giving and, and all that we do as we come together here in this house. But it's not enough to stand around here and congratulate ourselves about how doctrinally correct we are and not have power to go into this generation, to go even in this last day for such a time as this, to go out into the, around those that are, that, that are so, so contrary to what we know and believe and have that power to be witnesses. The church will be nothing but a failure if we are everything we can be here together, but we leave this place and leave it at the door of the church. Jesus said, you shall receive power. Hallelujah. That there's something about you that as you go out into this world, we are that salt and that light. There is something about us that affects our surroundings. The power of God that dwells within us. Listen to me. There's a lot of people in this world that have a form of godliness. You can go out to restaurants and you can go out maybe to the market after church and, and see people and say, hey, looks like they were in church. Looks like they might go. But listen to me. There needs to be more than just that external. Hey, I believe in it. The Bible says make the inside clean. The outside will be clean also. That's what Jesus said. Don't kid yourself and say it doesn't matter. But listen to me. There ought to be power in us. That. That people can experience, that people can see and sense that there's something different, something extraordinary. That it's not just looking like a Christian, but there's something within us that draws them, compels them to to say, I want to know more. Amen. Hallelujah. John 15, we're very familiar with this portion of scripture and. Brother Mueller just set up the ball so I could spike it over the net. We shout to the glory of God. Amen. We sing to the glory of God. Amen. I appreciate those that would be on instruments and, and, and use talent for God. Give their best to God, but not entertainers, not showboating. Amen. Not trying to, to, to bring attention to me, but just trying to 
produce an atmosphere of worship. Amen. So thankful. People that aren't, uh, aren't worried about all that. Not trying to, to, to mimic some kind of entertainer. But worship that is spirit and truth. And we do all that to glorify God. We do all that to honor God. I'm here and thankfully uh, there's some things I need. I need God's strength and I need God's help and I need God's direction. But if I get my priorities in, in line and I start to just come and say, okay, God, that's going to be a byproduct of me just coming into your presence and loving you and glorifying you and magnifying you and being hungry and thirsty for more of you and your righteousness. God's going to fill you. Hallelujah. But God tells us in his word herein, or I might just say, this is how my father is glorified. Herein is my father glorified. John 15, 8. That you bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. So shall you be my disciples. I don't want to just call myself his follower, his disciple. One that's learning and growing in him. One that wants to know more about him so I can be just like him when I grow up. Amen. I want to be a disciple. And I want to glorify God. Don't get me wrong. I shared with somebody just this morning that that so often I'm in church and I'm thinking this is unto God. This is for his to bless him. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I get a blessing when I come to church. But sometimes I think about all the times Jesus has heard his name used as a cuss word. How many times he hears the blasphemy from his children. From the ones he created. From the people that he looks at and says, I made you for so much better than that. The cursing, the the filthy talk and... And then so many that are putting his name in their songs, but he looks at it and and, and he's so far from it. It's all pride. It's all flesh. It's all for self-exaltation. And I thank God. I I don't don't ever want to sound like I think I'm the only one or we're the only ones because that's that's ridiculous. But I do believe without a doubt the way is narrow and few there be that find it. Hey, remember, I, I tell people think, wow, you think it's really narrow way? I think the Bible's right. That should be the, at the end of the, the conversation. But if you remember Jesus, how it ended up for him. <laughs> how many people were screaming and yelling, saying, get him down for that cross. He healed my daughter. Get him down. Don't do that. Stop. What are you saying? Let his blood be on us and on our on our children. Why are you taking what? Stop. He don't you remember that man that couldn't walk? Don't you remember the one that was dead? Don't you remember? That was my family member. That was my friend that he he cast the devil out of. How many stood up? Was it the majority? Oh, no. Was the religious community? picketing in front of the Roman government buildings of that time saying, don't you do it. We won't stand for it. No. The, the secular, godless, pagan government to that day and the religious community were hand in hand and saying, crucify him. And... Uh, and you're not going to find a majority of people. I hate to say that. I don't. I, I've seen people cocky and proud, like they, you know, people don't know, and I do. <laughs> you know, all these lost sinners calling themselves Christians, and they they almost act like they're excited about that. That breaks my heart. I know it breaks God's heart. I'm not excited that this this man couldn't find a dozen churches close to Philadelphia. The fact that and, and and I know he shares that same idea. I'm I'm honored that they would come here and it's such a blessing to me. But how sad that is. You just can't walk in somewhere and and feel the presence of God and know that they're going to give you the word of God. Herein is my father glorified. 
it, it's, it's imperative to the church to be his disciples and glorify God in our worship, in our testimonies, in our preaching, in our, 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 our lifestyle, if you will. But when we leave this house, does God still get glory? I want God to be blessed when I lift up my hands as he asked me to do, lifting up holy hands, as the word says, without wrath or doubting. And, and when I lift up my voice to him, when I, I want him to be glorified. But I said, herein is my father glorified, that you bear much fruit. I, I, you're not going to win souls by debating with people. Proving how right you are and how wrong they are. Amen. You're going to be a soul winner by showing them the the fruit of the Spirit. Well, you know, they they don't know God, and you didn't either. I feel like I've I've come across this, and, you know, well, I don't want to, I don't want people to think that I agree with them. Let people think that you have compassion. Amen. And if somebody's going to pass that judgment because you're being the best friend somebody could have because they need a friend, amen, then let them think it. Amen. I told somebody the other day, I've got a lot of folks have a lot of opinions about me. I guess they're all entitled to it. I sleep good because I'm going to just live for God. And I can't stop people thinking what they're going to think, but I do know that I need to be about my father's business and I need to bear much fruit. Amen. Amen. I, I think there's a lot of time. So well, let's turn to second Timothy, second Timothy, the second chapter. We are to be salt. We're not just to, to get out of here and, and, uh, hide our light, but you've got power. What you feel in this house, what you experience in, in, in prayer and worship and, and, and I pray now even as the word of God, let it fill you up and go out of this place and shine your light. You know what it says in Galatians, we'll get to this in Second Timothy, but it talks about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. Would anybody accuse you of bearing fruit? Amen. Hey, you don't know how hard it is. Well, how? Yeah, it must be tough. Tell, tell it to tell it to the disciples. <laughs> tell it to the apostles. Amen. They're shouting and singing in the midnight hour. Backs beating in a prison house. Hallelujah. Yeah, it's tough. There's it's there's no doubt. You're you're you're. You're dealing with things and, and you get frustrated. Just what y'all do. Just go ahead and sing unto the Lord. You got power. You got power. You had a bad day and things are going the wrong way. That's called life. Amen. But you got more than that. You've got the power. Hallelujah. To be a child of God. To be a witness. When everybody else is cussing and losing their mind and throwing wrenches, you got power. Ooh, hallelujah. Praise God. Second Timothy two fourteen. You need to be the ones telling it's it's going to be all right. We're going to be fine. Just take a take a breath up. We're going to get through this. Amen. And then somebody says, "Wow, you've you're a lot stronger than I am." And you say, <laughs> "Yeah, whoo." Let me tell you about that. I got uh, I'm I'm you know Paul said I was the chief of sinners. You know the old me. I tell you, I've been I've been doing more than that. You, I've been. I've been throwing more than a wrench, saying more than what you said. But, you know, God's made a change in me. God's made a change in me. Second Timothy 2, verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit. Just because you're talking about the Bible, just because you know something about the Bible, doesn't mean you have to tell somebody about it. What? Back up and explain that. Bear fruit. There's some conversations that aren't going to get anywhere with anybody. Let them see Jesus in you. 
I've been around folks already that bring up conversations at work. I'm like, how is that? You, you, the Bible says you don't give a, a piece of meat to a baby. They desire the sincere milk of God. Right. Amen. Some folks aren't even born again. We're trying to tell them how to how to, how to clean up their lives and and change things, or else you know we that's they need Jesus. Yeah, right. They need somebody to see something that's got something better than them. And if they think being a Christian is predicated on just all these rules of what you're doing wrong rather than falling in love with Jesus, you do more damage than good with the truth. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a gun. Amen. It, it can do a lot of damage. It can destroy. Amen. Or it can do good. That's what a, the word is a sword. You can make a mess with a sword. Right. Amen. But God said my, my word is like a two-edged sword, and it's, it's useful if it's used properly. Charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. Sometimes I'm asked questions about, about my life and decisions that I've made people ask. Hey, do you really do this? Do you really not do that? And... They don't know Jesus. They 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 they've never really been maybe in a in a good church. It's going to preach them to a place of repentance. And, and I'm not embarrassed or ashamed of or anything that I live. But sometimes I say, Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but you know what? You know why I do that? Because because I love God and and He's revealed Himself in His Word. And you start looking in that Bible, you're going to find out some of these things that might not make a bit of sense. But to you right now, but you start living for God and start putting him first one step at a time and start leading that conversation to write what where they need to be. There's a lot of Bible studies that really don't need to happen, except they come down to where you're living. You know, uh, you know, it's like giving a a child, a, a small child algebra. Now, I'll tell you, I went through the whole weekend, haven't used any of that algebra. Amen. So I still ask myself, what's the point? But the thing is, I ask myself a lot of times when I hear folks talking, what's the point? Where were you going with that? And conversations that I have with people that have good questions, but I try to get to the point. Not choke them with with things that really aren't going to change a whole lot in their lives. But try to get them to a place. You know what? God cares about you. God will make that transformation in you. You know, if God doesn't make the transformation, it doesn't really matter anyway. You can follow this book to a T and still be as lost as anybody's ever been lost. If you haven't really been born again. So, you know, I don't really spend a lot of time arguing with folks about things. You know, what the Bible says. Well, let's read it some more. Strive not about words to no profit, but to subverting, but to the subverting of the hearers. Sometimes you can win a debate and lose a soul. Right, that's right. Whew, I was right. I shut their mouth, told them, right? Yeah, they don't want anything to do with you anymore. Good job. Yeah, yeah you made a fool out of them because you knew more of the Bible than they did. They'll never be a Christian until they meet somebody with some sense. Right. You know, a lot of our job is doing that. I hate God. I hate church. I hate Christians. Why? Oh, you know how I've been hurt? Let me show you. I can tell you anything, but let me show you some people that aren't like that. Amen. Bearing good fruit. Don't pat yourself. Oh, but I was talking about the Bible. Oh, Why? Just live a life in front of them and answer questions according to the hope that lies within you. Be ready to answer that question is what the Bible says. Until then, let them see something amazing in you. Strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Because you know what? If you're really studying, you can take that word and say, I know the answer to that, but I also know how to take it to to them. You ever have... Anybody, moms, dads, family members of young child, and they, they ask you a question, hey, I heard something the other day. What does this word mean? Like, oh, wow. You know, the easy way is out is like, don't say that. Get out. No, 
we're not going to talk about that. And then, oh, they're going to find somebody who will talk to them about it. So there's some uh, some lessons. You just got to take it to take it to their level, like a loving, wise parent or friend, and say, "Hey, well, this is this is it, and this is you know." And as you learn and grow, you're going to see God's plan and God's purpose and God's li- way of living is so awesome. Amen. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun. Stay away from profane and vain, worthless babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. I, uh, yeah, I, I believe a child of God should grow and learn and the Spirit of God in you will, will, will clean up, not just the words you use, but the things you're talking about. And you glorify God with that. That's a, there's a lot in the Bible about our words. But but I really think a lot of this is, is talking about just what we're dealing with. Just vain babblings. Turning people off. You, 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 ever, uh, you ever meet somebody at, at a job somewhere and they're, man, they're all about loving Jesus. They, nobody likes them. <laughs> Everybody hates them. But and, uh, you know, sometimes people will turn their back on you and will be persecuted and hated. But sometimes, you know, it's and people can pat themselves on the back and say, I'm being persecuted. No, you're just being obnoxious. (laughs) No, you're just condemning everybody and making yourself. So be a friend. Bear good fruit first. I've quoted this before and uh, and I've I've used it. a, A preacher from from generations ago is quoted as saying, you know, you know, preach to everybody. Use words when necessary. Just just shine that light of Jesus through you. There's a lot more we're going to be talking about in weeks to come. But but today we're talking about bearing good fruit. Second Peter two down a little bit in verse 23. Foolish, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender strifes. I don't want to get into a fight with somebody. I don't want to get into a debate with somebody to try to win and, and prove a point. I, I don't want to produce strife. So some questions, if it's just somebody picking a fight, I say, you know what? God bless you. See, you don't want to talk to me. You, yeah, you, whatever. Go ahead. It's okay. But there's also sometimes where there's people, like I said, that, that they, they're a soul and they're hungry and they're they're reaching out. Uh, avoid a, avoid strife and and try to give them something that's going to to bless them and help them take the next step forward. Matthew 14, I believe we mentioned it earlier. Matthew 14, verse 14 is the heart of. Uh, of of God that I see over and over and over again. Matthew 14, verse 14. Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. This challenges me. I pray you let it challenge you. You go out in this world and you see a great multitude. What's the first thing you see? Well, the Bible says he, he saw the multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. Don't get me wrong. I preach it to you Wednesday night. You know the difference between right and wrong, and you need to. The idea of judging or knowing what is sin and knowing what is righteous, knowing what you should be living, knowing what you shouldn't be living, knowing what what this world, the direction it's going is, is without Jesus, it's moving towards judgment. God wants the church to, to be able to stand and, and, and not only tell the difference between the holy and the profane, but to be able to teach it. But to have righteous judgment and not be a judgmental individual. To know what's right, know how to be saved, know how to live for God. And not just just walk around with a cold shoulder to everybody that you meet that doesn't have what you have is is key. You'll never win anybody. Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus saw the loss and cared about them. Amen. 
and, and tried to help. See, to me, that's where the challenge is, not just just seeing past all the seeing the need and, and saying, God, how can I help that? But truly help it. Truly be that one that Jesus talked about in his parable where the priest and the Levite didn't want to get their hands dirty dealing with this this one that was laying beside the road left for dead. But the good Samaritan said, I've got time. I'll make a sacrifice of my time, energy and money to help this man. It's dying. Amen. You know, the priest and the Levite. They were holy. They didn't want to somehow be connected with somebody that might not be holy, might somehow mess up, mess up their 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 idea of uh, of what is except. No, they just I want to help. I want to have compassion. I want to. The church needs to see the need more than ever in this last day. Amen. This ought to be our time to shine. Yeah, this ought to be our time. Listen, I'm going to tell you so many people. The Bible says the love of many has waxed cold. Because sin has abounded, because there's so much sin going on, and people are hard-hearted, they're cold-hearted. They are, just the just the, the 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 littlest act of kindness shines so brightly. But so many people that claim to know Jesus don't have time for it. Jesus saw the great multitude. He saw the junk. He saw the filth. He saw the sin, but he saw the need. He said they're like sheep. They just don't have a shepherd compassion more than anything to be able to be led by God to reach a soul. Let me close with this. Say you've got a testimony more than the, the Bible study you might be able to give, which I believe in Bible studies. Don't get me wrong, but before you ever give one, I really believe they need to hear how, how, how God set you free. That they could see that you've got something to be excited about. You're more than just going through the motions like all the, the, the fake Christian put on, make believe, just going through the motions, shallow, cheesy behavior. But there's something about you that really is real. You've got something more valuable. You've got something that I can't tell somebody. Say, brother, you know that Bible? I, I hope I do. I strive to know this Bible. But you got something to tell somebody I can't. You got what God did for you. And the neat thing about God is he'll put you around somebody that needs to hear it just like you can say it. Needs to hear just what God did for you. That they can see that fruit in you and ask, hey, what, what is it about you? And this is what God's done for me. I, I used to be a mess. I've got no reason to judge you I got, or condemn you or be judgmental around you. I've got no reason to, 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 to look down on you. But I can tell you what God did for me. And when they start recognizing, you got something you're excited about. You got some power there that did, it broke some chains. It did some, made a difference in you that this is more than just joining a church or being called a Christian, but this is something that God really put in you. And it's not, I don't have to, like we said earlier, but I want to, I want to get as close to God. I want to be in a church that's going to tell me the truth. I want to be around believers as much as I can. I want to be fed. I do it because I, I want that. Your testimony, what God tells has done in you that's bearing fruit that's shining a light that's being a christian can we bow our heads in prayer please church needs to act like the church is what we're doing important in this house absolutely absolutely But you can come to church and do everything the way you need to be, need to be, think you need to be doing it. But without that power in you, without that transformation in you that goes out of this house and shines to so many others to show them God is real. I can talk about it, but I want somebody to feel that power and see there is a difference. I'm not promoting me 
and how good I am, but how great God is. I believe that when God fills you up with His power, like He said there in Acts, the first chapter, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It's going to be power that will give you victory over sin. It's going to be power that's going to put joy and peace and love in you. Take out that depression, anger, temptation. going to give you victory. But listen, there's a world out there that needs to see this. I've heard people say we ought to just sit around in church. We need to be out there doing it. I don't think we need to do one at the cost of the other. We need to encourage one another. We need to build one another up. We need to be a body that works together and strengthens one another. We see it all through the Word of God. The book of Romans is a book that was a letter written to a church in Rome. First and second Corinthians are letters that were written to churches in Corinth. And on and on and on. Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians. These are all churches that were established. But the job doesn't end here after hour and a half or so together the real responsibility is God you fill me up with power help me to take it home those in my family they need to see the power that's in me those in my neighborhood those in my job not going to go around pointing fingers condemning criticizing let them see compassion. Let them see somebody that's got something that they need. Oh, I want to shine forth. Jesus said, Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. Who here with me today says, I want, to, I want that to be me. I want to shine my light. I want to show people how good God has been to me. Come on, let's find a place to pray. Let's talk to God. Oh, in Jesus' name.
going to feel in this house power that's going to change our lives power to take what we have outside these four walls. This Bible is full of reasons why we gather together. It's full of purpose that we have power in our worship, in our prayer, in the teaching, the preaching of the Word of God. But that power doesn't stop when we leave this house. That power goes out into the surrounding areas with us. I'm praying for you, church. Praying that you're the difference in you that God is doing. People take notice of it. People have questions for you. People want what God has done for you because they need Him. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Oh, we love you, God. Let's all just stand and love Him. God, you're so good. God, thank you again. Thank you again, Lord. Lord, you've been so good. We're so thankful, Lord. Lord, it's more than just a religious experience. It's more than just a tradition of men. Lord, it's your power that's here, that's changed us, that's affected us, God, that's transformed us. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you, Lord, for this church family and the the love and the unity that we have here today. God, I pray you help us. Lord, just to continue to grow and learn and be more of what we need to be. There's souls, Lord, in this community. Some of our families, some of our friends, God, they need you. Help us to be, Lord, used by you to make a difference. Lord, have your way. God, I ask you now to bless each one. Lord, keep your hand upon us as we travel from this house. Keep us safe. Keep us in health. Praying you bless this service tonight, God, that you work again in a marvelous way. We give you the glory, Lord. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.